this, 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 this show is brought to you by Safety FM. What's up, peeps? Welcome back to Rebranded Safety. This week is another episode of Reflection, and I'm talking, I'm re- not talking, well, I am talking, that's true. Uh, I'm reflecting on my conversation with Kevin Furness. Let's jump into the intro and we'll get into the podcast. The problem in safety isn't deviation, it's complexity. Health and safety has gone mad. Health and safety is trying to unpick having gone mad in the past. There's no one solution or one problem. The problem is that we are looking for one solution. Does the structure of the team allow them to flourish? Feel safe enough to be uncomfortable. The environment defines our behaviours. People aren't the problem, they're the solution. Rebranding safety, crushing a stereotype. Brought to you by Risk Oakley doakley. What did you think of our chat with Kevin Furner? We're talking to someone who's just done it. I'm not saying that, you know, Todd and academics haven't done it. Uh, obviously they have. Um, but it was nice to just some, talk to someone normal. Someone who's just, you know, kind of just like us, uh, a doer, not so much a, not so much an academic. So you kind of had some real examples. Uh, firstly, I, you know, thank you, Kevin, for coming on the podcast. But what a really diverse career. Uh, he had, which I quite like, and I, and I think that really brings a unique perspective to somebody when they're talking about something. Is they've got loads and loads of different ways of looking at things. I know from my career, you know, I think a lot of people talk about a diverse background from a negative point of view, and I think it's a benefit. Um, my background, you know, went to college trained to be an electrician, failed. Um, primarily because I wasn't very good in education but also because I was unlucky with a recession etc but you know that one aside ended up becoming a, a chef um decided didn't want to do that ended up going into warehousing and thought this is my life now I'm gonna just you know work in a warehouse nothing wrong with that if that's what you want to do but I didn't I wanted to do something bigger something I don't know what I wanted to do but I knew I wasn't happy I ended up getting a job in safety and then from there I've worked in manufacturing uh, dabbled in warehouse distribution a bit found that really boring uh, went into healthcare and housing uh, and now working construction and manufacturing again um and i think that's a good thing so nice to see that kevin had a really diverse background to his career um i invited kevin on because i as i mentioned in the podcast um i listened to kevin's keynote from the hc congress and he was outstanding and i say that i know i said that in the podcast but i'll say it again it was flawless it was one of the best confident flowing keynotes i've ever ever um you know experience and i I know i said in there like you know how he just finished his keynote and pressed play on a video like i know some people thought oh that doesn't really matter but it was just so slick and professional he didn't say right i'm just going to play this video i hope it works it was just a bang and the video played and it was just like slick and everybody everybody was writing in the comments box that was engaging it was enthralling it was education was entertaining you know it was edutaining as i call it uh so that for me i messaged him straight away and i was like yo you're coming on this on this podcast um so so that was good so the consistent kickstarter for this safety to 
movement, next step, whatever you want to call it, it's this lack of improvement, this plateau. Um, it seems to be really consistent. Is everybody, John Green, Kelvin Gann, they both said the same as well. It's when you get to a position in which you are not happy with, with what, what's going on. You're not improving. You're not making tangible improvements in your safety systems, your safety metrics, etc. Um, and that's a really consistent uh, kind of, yeah, Kickstarter, so to speak, as to what starts people looking for something else. Um, so that's really interesting. So it kind of gives you uh, a little bit of an indicator there in, in when you should start this stuff. If you're still seeing improvements from this so-called safety one traditional approach, whatever, from your management systems, from your accident investigations, then you're probably not in a position to start to move over to this stuff. Now, I think there's nothing wrong with drip feeding this stuff. And if you, you know you ultimately want to focus on a safety to approach, then then maybe it's worth, you know, changing the language, the way people talk about things and fair enough, 100%. But I think that's a really good indicator of, of whether you're ready to start to move over yet or, or, or take the next step, so to speak. Um, you know, Kevin talked about who's trying to, he went to a keynote from someone uh, from Google that said, you know, we're trying to solve 21st century problems with 20th century thinking. And this reminds me of something very similar that Simon Sinek says in that we're trying to fix 21st century financial problems with 20th century thinking. And he talks about it from a point of view of like, you know, uh, making people redundant, etc, etc. So I feel like there is a need holistically from a business point of view of a of a, of a resurgence not a resurgence that would be the wrong word as a kind of uh critical view of how we think and how we approach problems you know there I, I do stand by that if it ain't broke don't fix it there are things that we've done for years that probably do work but I think there is definite warrant and value in what Kevin says there. We're trying to solve 21st century problems with the 20th century thinking. And, and look at it from a safety point of view. We, fo we focus on safety from a really traditional safety point of view. Now, when I say safety, that for me is, is health as well. Right, it's like psychological safety. It's we're one in the same. Our health and our physical safety is for me safety. If we create a safe environment, that is safe psychologically as well as it is physically. So please don't misunderstand me when I, you know, when I say safety, 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 because I think they're one in the same. So think about it from from the point of view of health and safety in that. Primarily, in the 20th century thinking, we focus on physical safety. Whereas now, the 21st century problems are more health-based, they're more well-being-based, they're more mental-based. Our stress on our bodies and brains is so much more than it was in the 20th century. So some people might 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 think that's completely off base you know with wars and famine and recessions and and you know working conditions like they were that 100 i don't deny that but it's different you know we're, we're in a constantly on scenario we're constantly switched on you know when you were a kid you used to be able to avoid the bullies by just leaving school whereas you can't now you know we're constantly switched on we're we're, we're pushing ourselves to be better we we are constantly reminded all the time on social media of like how how unsuccessful we may or may not be and so on and so forth so i think i think it is different 
the way we the way we approach things is different and the way we lead is should be different if i think back to how i was managed and and led and taught how to manage people and when i was younger i think god that's not a world i want my daughter to work in I don't want my daughter to to experience some of the stuff I experienced when I was a kid. Damn, I had I had team leaders put their hands around my throat and shove me up against a wall for God's sake when I had my first job. I don't want that to happen to my daughter. So I think we do need to critically look at how we how we solve problems and how we work in our in our current uh, you know lifetime and and see if we can be better. So I really like that statement from Kevin. They started focusing on one area, so they picked an area that they wanted to focus on, and they 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 tried it out there, kind of similarly to Kelvin Gens micro experiments. So maybe that's something to think about in your workplace. You can you instead of trying to convince your your managers, your leaders, your board, etc., to holistically take on this safety to approach for your whole business maybe you could say will you let me try it in this small area and see if we have any improvements over the next four or five six years whatever and also once you've done that if it is successful you can then just copy and paste within reason uh, to everywhere else in the business so you can put those systems and approaches and philosophies and uh, you know perceptions and language etc all of that in place in that micro experiment and then just expand it out to the wider business so i really like that that way of, of looking at things focused in one area and that's what kevin did you know at, at nurse so obviously it's a good thing to do they looked at the, the fatal five the stuff that kills people um, so the stuff that kills people sticky comes from i believe todd conklin um and I, and I get it i understand it and i and i and i support it however i would approach it for the stuff that matters uh so not the stuff that kills people because the stuff that seriously matters it doesn't ultimately kill people um you know stress um can be debilitating and and can lead to to people dying but but ultimately not at work you know we're talking about suicide and things like that so um I, I prefer to talk about stuff that matters i also think that if you're not a business that operates in a high high risk area such as you know kevin in in the kind of um what would you call it shipping there we go in in shipping um in in drilling and, and construction and manufacturing high risk manufacturing offshore all that stuff is inherently really high risk and there is stuff that exists that could kill you but i think if you run you know five thousand offices throughout the throughout the world um you know probably one of your biggest risk is not going to kill you um you may talk about like dsc for example and how people sit in their posture that's that can be that can cause some really bad really bad musculoskeletal disorders so but yes but yet it will not kill you so i i think when we say focus on the stuff that kills you i prefer to say focus on the stuff that matters because i think um there are workplaces where stuff don't won't kill you so that's probably me just being pedantic and i think the fatal five or the serious five or something like that i think that stuff does really matter and i'm always one for putting resources into the serious risks and i've said time and time again on this podcast you know when you've got stuff like falling at height and you don't resource into that but yet you put loads and loads of resource into slips and trips i think your 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 approach is miscued in a way uh skewed sorry uh in a way so that's just my 10 pence worth on that 
the key point that, that Kevin talks about, and this comes up a lot in the conversations, is understanding work is done and work is imagined. So I, I kind of just, just to make this a bit easier, when I'm talking to my leaders, I talk about this as work in reality. So does our paperwork, our systems, do they match reality? Do they reflect reality? Because if they don't, then you've got a work as imagined and work as done scenario. And you need to bridge that gap. So that's just, I only use that phrase because when I say workers imagine work is done, I end up spending about 20 minutes explaining what that means. Whereas if I say, do your risk assessments reflect reality, um, they normally come back and say, uh, yeah or nay. Do you get what I mean? So that's, that's just the only reason why I do that. But this is a key thing in the Seki 2 space is understanding the difference between how you design work and how you as a leader as a manager perceive work being done and how it actually is being done and if you can identify the gap between the two that there is a huge potential for improvement it's a huge potential to learn so they they also kevin talks about their move from a quantitative approach from from zero you know like a zero approach zero harm zero accidents etc uh, to a more philosophical um approach of mersk is a safe place to work so um you know this is a much softer approach you know this is a safe place to work um zero is well some would say zero is unattainable um but i think if you said mersk is a safe place to work then well doesn't that inherently say that we we don't want to hurt people as well um but it's less like it's, it's less I, I don't I, I don't know whether this is this is just my opinion but I think it's less uh, possible to get those unintended consequences from a Mersk is a safe place to work as opposed to zero accidents if you get zero accidents you end up potentially having that that unintended consequence of people you know hiding accidents and things like that and also I, I think it communicates a lot more I think it means something to everybody um, because and I'm, Kevin even says that, you know, it means something in, in a different situation and he can use it to start a conversation. Is this a safe place to work? Um, and, and, and it enables that relativity throughout the workplace in the, uh, that flexibility, uh, so to speak. So I, I kind of liked it and I thought it was attract, it would attract talent. That, that, that zero accidents would that necessarily attract talent and attract people to want to work to, for you i'm not sure but to say this is a safe place to work i feel like i'd want to work somewhere that said that so i, I really like that um one good thing from from kevin was that how honest he was about how hard this is um which you don't really hear i think from the academics you know he needed to prove that it works. He needed to kind of let go a little bit. And, 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 he, and he said, like, you know, when he had to move past that it wasn't him and his safety team doing this. It was us as the business. He had to kind of let go of that, um, I need to achieve this kind of way of looking at things. And, and not and, and that, that selfishness. And, and I'm not saying he was selfish, but you kind of have to let go of that little bit of selfishness uh, and let it happen. Uh, and let other people do it. If it's a good thing and they came up with it, let them have it. Um, and I, I always look at this from a, you know, if the business succeed, uh, I succeed. So if I succeed within the business, the business succeeds and one in the same. So if somebody else succeeds in a different part of the business and that means that the business is succeeding, that means that I get to succeed as well. 
So we were looking at this from a much more holistic point of view. And I thought it was nice to hear that from Kevin. It was nice also to him to say, you know, this was hard and this was a challenge. You know, convincing people to back away from that quantitative way of looking for a measure just on accidents and incidents and talk about other stuff and and be a bit more softer, a bit more qualitative. Um, so I thought that was nice to hear. Um <clears throat> what the you know he and and then from there you know as as he kind of battled this and as he kind of he started to see his leaders and other people talking about it in a different way a new language was starting to appear and yet again language seems to keep popping up and you'll, you'll hear next week when you hear from adam johns language is a massive part of what we're talking about here and you know you're doing something right when the leaders are unprompted in their language and they say it the same thing so kevin talks about when he started hearing his leader say mersk is a safe place to work when he starts hearing the leaders using the language that he's using but unprompted that's when you know you're getting somewhere so it was you know really good and fascinating to hear kind of kevin's challenges and how he's gone through it and and that you know he was really honest that this is a journey um it's a transformation and this is a journey and a transformation of a long period of time um <clears throat> so you know i think a lot of the time we we go away we buy a book and we read the book and then we're like boom off we go tomorrow we're going into work and we're like no nope, not talking about accidents investigations these are there are events and yes you've got to change your language but sometimes you've got to work out where you are in your business and work out what's the best way to sow these seeds first um, you know, and sometimes you have to suck it up if you don't want to talk about accidents and incidents. But at the moment, that's what people want. You still got to keep your job, people. So sometimes you got to suck it up that this doesn't happen overnight, and you have to just gradually work out where you're going to get the biggest impact, where you're going to get the biggest bang for your buck. Find those early adopters. Find those people that are your first followers that are really up for this, and start talking with them and build and build and build. This stuff does not happen overnight. And I think Kevin says that really well in this conversation. What else have we got? You know, that, that risk assessment example, you know, he changed his approach from likelihood to building capacity. And I think I've spoke about this before and that you know it was kind of eye-opening when I heard Todd say that. Um, you know, we balance likelihood. Because when he was balancing when he was balancing likelihood. It, it, it didn't really enable him to innovate because he could turn around and say, well, yes, if that happened, it would kill you, but it's really likely. It's really unlikely, sorry. So then when you're trying to justify the the fact of spending some money on it, some resource, some time, some effort, um, you know, the response you'll get back is, well, it's not very likely, so why am I going to spend so much money on it? But yet when you flip the conversation and the culture and the approach and the perception of how we approach risk and that how big is the risk, are we talking severity wise here? So how dangerous is this process? Well, if it goes wrong, we're talking serious problems. Well, now we need to work out if we've got the capacity to absorb that and fail safely. That enables you then to justify resource and time and effort and money, etc. into that because you're trying to build capacity. So it enables you the space to innovate as Kevin did. Let's have a look. So if, uh, a single starter to fail at 45. Oh uh, uh, yeah, I've just got here that, you know, that about 45 minutes, uh, the signal just started to go. Um, 
and it chose you know i kind of chose not to to over edit it because uh we kind of managed to bring it back in the conversation um i think around the same the time that i interviewed kevin was i think it was like mid first lockdown if i remember rightly um and just internet was struggling i mean internet's still struggling now if i'm honest we've we've just gone over to pay for a bit more of a better standard of internet with a guarantee uh speed so hopefully we shall see a dramatic reduction in these uh these failings i mean internet still has its wobbly days 100 percent, but we've decided to upgrade our internet so hopefully you shall have less um less skippy conversations and less you know a bit of a less of that uh so yeah anyway i put that in my notes uh, a bit random i put it like right underneath the the risk example um that kevin was talking about random place for me to write that anyway i thought kevin made a very good point around um you know what would families have you know families that have lost people families that have maybe had really life-changing accidents what would they prefer if we'd have gone and said to them, you know, would you prefer to cut or a bruise? And he makes a very valid point that they would m most probably turn around and say, well, of course I would. You know, it's a stupid question. Um, but I inherently think that this is hard for us safety pros to do. You know, uh, we're, excuse me. <coughs> excuse me sorry about that that was coming for a while <laughs> i was thinking when's it when am i gonna cough i can feel it building up i think that that approach is is really hard because we we need to define a point in our workplace and what harm to somebody is acceptable which is really uncomfortable to say you know i am accepting that you break a finger or cut your hand and and things like that and i think depending on the industry and where you work and the people you're working then maybe that's easier um and I think that's really hard for us to swallow. Um, I don't. I do. Do I think that Kevin kind of advocates not looking at any of the other risks? No, I don't. I don't think he does. I think it's a balance. Um, I think it's a balance, and I think that what we're talking about here is, you know, is we we unbalanced the other way at the minute. In that we are spending too much time and resource on the stuff that just causes little injuries maybe or little impacts on the business we're we're unbalanced because we're not spending our time and resource on the stuff that could really 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 hurt people or really impact our business for example so i think what what i took from that was it's not about one or the other it's about a balance it's about probably prioritizing the stuff that matters it's about are we putting the time and resources in the place where where we can really have an impact in that we can stop people dying or losing a limb or having a life-changing accident i think once we get that balance right and we prioritize those stuff that matters we can then go, well, this is the money that's left. I want to put that into some proactive approaches of fixing slips and trips, for example. So this kind of comes back to my position on, on risk assessments. When I talk about risk assessments, that we focus on highlighting all the hazards, like all of the hazards. And I think that takes away from... Um, the serious hazards so legally we're, we're required to do a risk assessment and record the significant findings a significant findings. So think about the word significant when i do training i say you know if i was to say to you you're going to get a significant pay rise tomorrow what percentage do you think you're going to get most people start at 50 percent 
So significant is a big number, it's a big impact. Does that mean that we don't focus on managing the, the lower level risks, the, the slips and the trips? No, of course not, because you know you only have to listen to uh, Christian Harris for like 10 minutes to realize that slips and trips are a massive problem. From an insurance point of view, they're huge. But what I'm saying is, is that when we're doing, say, a risk assessment at, um, say, you're going to do some, let's say you're for a machine, right? You're doing risk assessment for a machine. Should slips and trips be on that? No, I don't think it should. Should we manage slips and trips from a wider business perspective and holistic approach to, to fix it holistically across the whole site? Yes. But should we be focusing on slips and trips where it's not in the control, where it's not in that person's control at a machine level? For example, if I'm doing like a, say, a task-based risk assessment for uh, for a machine, um, would I include slips and trips now? No, I wouldn't. So it's kind of like a tiered approach of risk assessments, I think. Like you've got that business level risk assessment, that kind of broader risk, the wider risks. How, what, are you what are you dealing with at a management level? Um, so, you know, we're consistently cleaning the floors. We've consistently in implemented, uh, installed a, a, a better grip of floor, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, and then when we're at the shop floor level, these people can focus on the stuff that seriously impacts them. Now, if the slips and trips is a big problem for them and they're slipping all over the place, and 100% record that in a risk assessment because that filters up to the top so it can get dealt with. But I think that the balance is off. In that when I read a risk assessment, it's just you can't see the wood for the trees, and then we and then we come up with that. And that phrase, if you don't know what that means, is basically like you, you can't see the wood because there's just so much going on. So from a risk assessment point of view, there's so many hazards there that we can't pick out what's important. So if you imagine you've got a risk assessment highlighting all of the hazards, every single one of the hazards, and then you're like, right, okay, so where do we go from here? Okay, let's balance. Uh, let's do the. Let's do our rag charts. Let's look at likelihood versus severity. So when we do that. Well, the likelihood of a slip and trip is much higher than the likelihood of falling off a ladder. But the severity of falling off a ladder is probably life changing, or you're going to bloody hurt. Versus the severity of a slip and trip. So because we balance likelihood versus severity, we end up unbalancing the the kind of status quo and focus on the stuff that's really likely, but not really that impactful from a severity point of view so i i think that is a really strong lesson we should take away from that and, and i kind of i've exhausted my notes and i i thought kevin was kind of flawless as an approach we had some technical difficulties uh, but it, i thought it was a very very good conversation let me know what you thought um i'm going to nip this in a bud here and keep it short and sweet this week um it was an outstanding conversation with kevin i thoroughly enjoyed it i hope you enjoyed it let us know what you think you come hit us up on any social media we're on them all pretty much uh instagram we're a bit crap on so probably don't bother with that but linkedin you come find me jay mcpherson one um you can find rebranding safety on linkedin at rebranding safety facebook rebranding safety and on twitter at safety rebranded i am much more prominent on linkedin so probably best jump over to linkedin if you enjoyed this episode please give us a rate and review it really 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 helps us get into more people's ears and that's what we need and our numbers are growing which is really nice to see um, we get much more engagement and our numbers are a lot bigger, um, which is unbelievably big, if I'm honest, which is absolutely crazy. Um, so thank you very much for those of you that have been sharing and, and rating and reviewing. But 
every little helps people so please please leave us a rate and review i shall catch you next week where we'll hear from my good friend i call him my friend now because i have his whatsapp you know i think when you ex when you go from facebook or, or linkedin messaging you you step up to the next level of whatsapp for me that's friend level so next week we'll hear from my friend adam johns uh, who's a great guy i absolutely love talking to adam um, and it was a very very long time ago that we spoke to adam so this, this episode's been sitting in the files for a long time so it's good to finally get it out there so i'll catch you next week people safe The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the position of the companies. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are examples only based on limited and dated open source information and should not be utilised in real life as the only solution available. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the companies. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic or otherwise, without prior written permission from James McPherson. Thank <laughs> you.